special treat for all of you fans. You are going to hear one of the most popular and best-known sports reporters in all the world describe the next play. Madison, you're on the air! nothing wrong with your sets, ladies and gentlemen. It's just Oscar Madison telling the fans all he knows about football. And a good, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oscar Madison speaking. And Stalbaugh takes the snap from center. He fakes a handoff to Dwayne Thomas elegantly and fades back to pass. He's looking for a receiver. He can't find one. He's scrambling. He's scrambling with the dexterity of a lizard. And now he elects to run with himself. And he stopped cold the line of no gain on the play. No gain, but a lesson for us all. And what is that lesson? It is the lesson that is the message of all sports. Try, try again. For all men, no matter what their race, creed, or color, no matter who they are, the love of fair play. And speaking of fair play, this is Oscar Madison signing off and reminding you that a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. And now back to our show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll recap the three plays you just missed right after this announcement. How was I? She was just great. A little amazing. Welcome to the Nightfly Podcast. I am Dave Juskow, probably the only person that walks in L.A. How are you, everybody? I hope everybody had a lovely fasting experience for Yom Kippur. If you celebrate, Dave Juskow continually technically fasting, just uh, dieting. Uh, but it's, it's really not fasting. In fact, I, I think I overeat on the Nutrisystem plan. I feel full. I mean, that's what the whole thing is. But for some reason, the pounds keep coming off. But I don't feel thin. Whatever, I just always feel sick, and uh, but that's, I always think that's good. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, the point is, I am Dave Juskow, and this is the Nightfly, and we have lots of show to get to today. For some reason, this song had been going through my head. I might have any plans to go to L.A., and I wasn't thinking about L.A. I just kind of like this song. Back to 1985. Here's missing persons walking in LA. All right, let's start the show, everybody. How are you? 
I really do hope everybody uh, had a sensational week. I hope everybody's doing well and keeping safe. Now that we are full into the fall and uh, heading towards, I mean, everybody's already talking about how's Thanksgiving going to be? How's Thanksgiving? See, that was fast. I told you this season usually goes very fast because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful time of the year normally. And quite frankly, uh, Dave Jeskow is enjoying every minute of it. It's a beautiful weather day. I'm taping on a Friday today um, because tomorrow, I, I don't know, I think I'm doing something with Jessica Pyle, and then Sunday is uh, Colton Idre, and then Monday is Yom Kippur. So uh, this will be coming out the day after, but uh, I figured, well, I'm not doing anything today except, uh, you know, the Shabbat Zoom call with Rhoda, and, uh, you know, I think I could tape the podcast before that. I, I went out. I, I just exercised. And I was like, can I do it after I exercise? Can I do it? Because usually, you know, I need a nap. But no, I'm in high spirits. I uh, I, I did the, the th- you know, let me tell you something. I, I told you what I do. My exercise routine is uh, I do the 15 minutes of yoga with this wonderful lady uh, that I just found on YouTube, Sarah Beth Yoga, I think her name is. And uh, then I take the city bike, go down and just come up First Avenue, which is all hills and pedal as fast as I can and you know, then stop and do a two-mile walk. I mean, that's my plan. But I hate it. I mean, I just hate riding a bike for exercise in the city. I don't mind riding the bike when I'm just trying to get somewhere. It doesn't bother me as much. But for exercise, I mean, this blows. And it just keeps making me think. And again, I don't know if anybody gets this reference except my sister and Artie Lang. Um, there's an Al Pacino movie called Author, Author from back in 1982. And uh, he's taking his kid who looks like uh, young Judd Hirsch. What was his name? Erickson. The kid was only in two movies. That and something with Sean Penn. I can't remember now. Eric Gurn? No, no, no that's, that's Rudy Gurn. I'm thinking of Meatballs. I'm mixing up the genres. Anyway, um, there's this movie. And Al Pacino takes his kid to go running. And the kid hates running in the city. And they're running, you know, around the Brooklyn Bridge area with all the cars coming. And he keeps going, oh, God, I hate this. And that's what I was thinking today. I'm on the bike, and there's all this traffic by the Midtown Tunnel. Duh. And you're trying to ride your bike through where everybody, because there's construction. Nobody knows what's going on. They don't care about the bike paths. And I'm like, I'm just thinking of that kid. Go, God, I hate this. Because I really do. It's just really, really awful to... uh you know, ride in the city. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I feel like my mic level's light, but uh, it's, pro- it's probably not. I think everything's okay. Hello. A little test there. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, it's just awful riding around and trying to exercise in, outside in, in Manhattan. It just blows. And I just really can't wait to leave. And yet, you know, where do you go? What would I do? Would I be missing it? I mean, I'm not missing out on anything. So it doesn't matter. Things are opening up tomorrow. So they say the comedy cellar is opening, not the cellar, but the upstairs, the olive tree is opening Wednesday. I don't know what their plan is. The secret comedy show that I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if there's a cop listening to this is going to go to wait, wait, what's going to happen. Who gives a shit? This is so ridiculous. So ridiculous. I mean, what is it really going to be closed till the end of the year? Can New York City survive? Till the end of the year closing of all of its restaurants, the only reason anyone lives here, restaurants and Broadway. 
I mean, that's that's why people come. But I, I got it. I just, I just really just. I mean, I I like where I live. I like my neighborhood. But I'm just, I'm I'm done with the city. I guess it just stinks. My neighbor just moved out. You know, I like everybody in my vestibule area. She just moved out. I never thought she'd move out. Um, so now, you know, who knows what's happening? You know, who knows what kind of neighbor you get? I've only had two neighbors since I've lived here in 20 years, and they've all been very quiet and delightful. Can you imagine somebody moves in? Like, you're being too loud. I'm like, I've lived here 20 years. No one has ever complained. But I, uh, well, where do I begin? Uh, okay, because I'll go more into that in a second. Uh, let me skip over to tell you about a Tuesday night show uh, tonight. Uh, you you got to be watching. I got to I got to recommend now fully the Comedy Cellar nightly show that I'm doing Tuesday nights at 8:30. It is truly an extension of the podcast. I'm showing all these pictures that I do over the week that I'm telling you about, but now you can see it live and uh you know, have the other comics make fun. Last week was no exception. A great time was had by all. Bonnie McFarlane, Jim Florentine is hilarious and um Russman Eve and it, it, it was it's such a good time and you know yeah we make some football picks but that takes all of like 10-15 minutes the rest of it is terrific and fun and um, I highly recommend it now listen to my guests are going to be next uh, not oh tonight tonight my guests are Greg Fitzsimmons and Beth Stelling and Mike Vecchione I mean that is a a great get, Beth Stelling, who just had a special on HBO Max. We'll talk about that. Greg Fitzsimmons, who, uh, you know, it's a crashing reunion of sorts. We've all been on great. Those guys wrote my episode, and so I love them very much, obviously, especially Beth Stelling. And, uh, you know, we're all going to just go through my slides and then make picks. It's a stupid show. Uh, the week after, my plan is to – you ready for this? I mean, for you guys who love this show, uh, Susie Essman – uh, Rick Newman, who used to run Catch Rising Star, and Alan Zweibel. That is my plan that I'm putting into action. I just need a, 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 an okay from one other person, and then, you know, I'll have it. Now, now that's an eclectic group. I mean, these people should be on my podcast, but here's a good way for me to get people going. It's just an hour of nonsense. You know, they don't have to commit to the podcast of whatever Dave Juskow was doing, and they're like, I don't know, do you, I've never heard of your podcast. I'm like, well, but this, you've heard, you've heard of the comedy cell. It's part of the comedy cell. It's a better deal. Now, this week, tonight, we're doing it at 8 p.m., not 8.30, because of the debates. Now, do I give a shit if I run into the debates? No. But I know I have two L.A. people on, and L.A. people, especially comics, seem to care about the debates. So I changed it from 8 to 9 so those guys don't miss it. Because I can picture, like, oh, my God, I forgot the debates were tonight. I can't do your podcast or I have to leave early. So I figure I change it. Everybody's on board. 8 o'clock tonight instead of 8.30. And, uh, well, quite frankly, I'm going to see if I can just change it to eight o'clock i'm not exactly sure what the reasoning was for doing it at 8 30 I, I have a feeling they're going to stop the comedy seller nightly show once it goes but i've been told that i can keep it going until the end of uh the season and fine with me i love doing it and quite frankly maybe i should just do it every night i should just do the comedy seller nightly show every night i should just take over all the nights why not i'm having such a good time it's just it's a lot of pressure in a way. It's funny, you know, it's stupid pressure. I put pressure on myself. And, you know, on Tuesdays, I get really nervous. And when it goes on, you know, it, I know it's going out live. It's like when I do this, it's not that nerve-wracking because, you know, I if I mess up, I can change it. But that's going out live. 
And, um, you know, you, you're talking for an hour. When I finish and we go off, I, I rest. And I'm like, whew. And then I usually text everybody, great job, great job. It was fun. But then I, you know, I got to power down for like a half hour after. Uh, I mean, I do the same thing after I do the podcast, but it's not as good because you're, you know, I'm, I'm on screen all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at people. I'm trying to look good. I'm trying to make sure I look good. I'm trying to make everything go smoothly. I'm trying to make everybody else look good. I'm trying to keep the conversation going. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure probably just on me, but I know people are watching and people are chatting and you just want to make sure you put on a quality show and I'm getting these great guests and I'm having a good time. And uh, I highly recommend watching the show. Why wouldn't you? If you like this show, why wouldn't you like that show? Obviously, you can watch it anytime, but it's fun to watch live. You can be in the chat room. Uh, sometimes Mike, the producer, uh, lets me know who's chatting. Uh, the other day, uh, Lee Marakis uh, said something, so uh, he let me know. And I know my sister's uh, checking. I told him, I said, tell him you're my sister, and then he'll he'll let me know. I can't see the chat, so um, you know I can only see what he gives me, but uh, it's fun. But meanwhile, you know, we, we see who's chatting and who's making picks, and uh, it has been very fun and entertaining. That is the Tuesday show, and with this week tonight, no exception. Um, so, uh, also, uh, you know, in, uh, promotions plugs, uh, Rachel Feinstein and myself will be at the stress factory in New Brunswick. If you happen to live in a 30 mile radius of New Brunswick, New Jersey, where is where Rutgers is located, please join me and Rachel Feinstein outside on the patio. You got to figure the weather will still be delightful. Um, Wednesday night, September 30th, the final day of September. The day before I get evicted, uh, <laughs> or they start the proceedings, uh, join us on the patio. It should be a fun night. We've also added Barney McFarland to do a little spot, too. And uh, you won't want to miss Dave Juskow trying to do 20 minutes, something he's never done in his lifetime. This ought to be very interesting. But I'm trying my best, and I'm doing what I can. And since I am a professional now, and the fact that I've opened for, you know, uh, I guess a legendary comic at this point in Jack Gaffigan that uh, why can't I handle it? But who knows, of course, because, you know, where, where am I going to get audience reaction from? How do I know if the jokes work? I mean, I know in Connecticut they did. Who knows what's going to happen here? But who cares? I don't care. The Stress Factory is the place. I love it there. I love Vinny, the owner, and it's going to be a fun time. Please come down. I believe it starts at 730 if you happen to be in the neighborhood. On the other front, I've been trying to get other shows going. I told you I was trying to get a show at the mall where I grew up in Edison, New Jersey. And I spoke to the lady yesterday who was very nice and very funny. And she's very interested in doing the show. We're just trying to figure out if it's legal. And then I think I can do my own car show, you know, where I'll book, you know, Adele and, and Rachel and the Just Got Regulars who are Just Got Regulars who are fucking awesome. And... Sorry, I thought I heard the ice cream truck outside. <laughs> I got distracted because I'm like 12. Um, that's, is that the turkey in the straw? I can't. Anyway. Um, uh, oh, so I talked to this lady at the at the mall, right? And she, so she's the only one left in this legendary mall. Really, they fired. They had to let people go. The mall was closed. They had to let everybody go. She's the only one left. And she does everything. I mean, it was hilarious. Now I can see why she was, you know, really having trouble calling me back. I get it now. I listened. We talked for an hour, and I heard her have to take calls. And let me tell you, the people that call there are like 
I don't know if I could have handled it. She was very polite. First of all, I mean, it was really hilarious. The the people. She first she has to work at the guest services. She has to give out gift cards. She has to work the lost and found, uh, you know, scheduling. I mean, it's really messed up. First of all, anybody that's able to figure out how to call the mall, like, would you be able to call? Would you be able to find out on the internet how to just call the mall? I can understand calling a store, but it, it seems complicated that they don't just have a regular number. First, you got to find out who owns the mall. Then you got to go. So if you're going through all those hoops and you're smart enough to get in touch with the one person who actually has all the answers. So this guy goes, I hear it. She has it on speakerphone. And he goes, uh, you did food court open. And she's like, yes, it's at 25% capacity. Uh, is a smash burger going to be open? Yes. It's at twenty five percent capacity. So the smash burger uh, food court that's uh, going to be open. Yes, it's at twenty five percent capacity. She just kept saying twenty five because she's trying to keep her cool, you know. Because you just want to say like, "Well, how the hell did you get through to me? Why didn't you just call Smash Burger?" I mean, that's the thing. He was smart enough to get through to her, but then like, uh, food court. And then the next call was like, uh, "Yeah, I lost my uh, car keys. Uh, did you find them?" Anybody find them? It's a mall. It's a mall. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's acres long. Yeah, I lost my car keys. I, I, I'm not making this up. I lost my car keys. Uh, anybody anybody find anything? Uh, well, I can um, check. Um, I, I, let me check the lost and found. I mean, I couldn't even believe she was doing this. In fact, I thought she was going to do a gag. But she goes, let me put you on hold and transfer to the lost and found. And then I thought she was going to pick up the phone and... Uh, and answer in a different voice. Hello, lost and found. Yes, let me help. Oh, no, no, of course, it should have been like, hello, well, you've reached the lost and found. You know, that guy from uh, what, the Lucy episode or whatever. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she works the lost and found. She goes, no, I haven't seen any. Uh, can you describe them? Uh, yeah, they're uh, uh, Mercedes keys. No, I haven't seen anything, but... um. Why don't I take your number and I'll let you? She's like, I'm not taking that guy's number. I'm an idiot. Can't even find his keys. Um, how do you get home? How do you get home to call? Uh, it's, uh, I, I, damn it. I just, I wanted to play. I forgot to find this uh, sketch, an old Saturday Night Live sketch. And they're hard to find online with Bob Newhart. Uh, I think I have a way of getting it. Oh, maybe I'll tape it from the phone. It's, I, I remember it. It's an old Saturday Night Live sketch with Bob Newhart, like the you know the first season uh, or second, you know, whatever in the seventies, and he's the host, and he is the proprietor of a store that sells everything, and that is exactly what this reminded me of. And I always use this as an example because I remember the one item that made me laugh the most as a kid was somebody came in, it was like Bill Murray or something, and he goes, "Yeah, do you have a white chocolate bow and arrow set?" And he goes, "Yeah." I think we have one in the back. Uh, let me get it for you. <laughs> and Bob Newhart's fucking best, right? So uh, I, this is like what she was doing. She was like doing the bit. Like it, it was really like an, a Saturday Night Live sketch. I mean, really, like, if she had answered the phone in a different voice, we would have had the sketch. And I would have thought she was just doing it to to try and uh, make me think, oh, I, I know comedy. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Because I'm so yeah. <laughs> no, let me put you on hold. I'll send you right over to the 
Lost and found department. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gold, I tell you. Gold. Oh, man, that would have been good. Anyway, I think we're really going to try and do the show. She's been nothing but nice. And, uh, you know, I even looked at the outlay. I mean, I know the outlay of the place. but And then, you know, she's from that neighborhood kind of. She grew up there. She's around my age. So I was just using all the material of the stores that used to be in there. And uh, she's like, well, remember that with the, the mall was just that one section you could slide down to Alexander's. I'm like, she's like from Macy's to Alexander's. I'm like, uh, no, you mean from Bamberger's. Down to Alexandria. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. And then there was this place. Oh, so there's, I mean, this is what I'm talking about in the 60s, 70s. There was a place, this old mall, and there was a place called Arcadian Gardens. And uh, and so we always make fun of it. Me and my friend Lawrence were like, yeah, we were just at Arcadian Gardens. You know, and my sister, we talk about that stuff because it's long, long gone. It was like a, by probably the, not a Home Depot, but... It was like a gardening store, a very big gardening store. It always smelled of like duty, but like a good duty. You know, like it always smelled like fertilizer, but like a, it didn't bother you. You know, it wasn't disgusting or anything because <laughs> um, it was all plants and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was making fun. I was like, well, you know, I was just at, uh, we could have the, you know, the show right outside of Arcadian Gardens. And, you know, fortunately she got, I mean, how great is it? Somebody gets those gags. And, um, she goes, you're not going to believe about a month ago, somebody called and asked if Arcadian Gardens was still here. I mean, this place closed in like 1978. And I'm like, you're joking. And I'm like, what a horrible job. Who the, like I said, you're telling me somebody's able to go online, you know, figure out you're calling the mall. You're not calling an individual store, but you can figure out how to get in touch with the exact right person for the mall. And then you're going to ask if the store still exists from 1978. I mean, that, I mean, I just, I, I'm going to have to do this sketch. I'm, I'm just going to have to do it. I, I, it's just too funny. I'm going to have to put it on a video and just, I'm going to put it on Instagram. Maybe I'll ask her if I can come down and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do the sketch. If it, because, yellow. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to. It was so funny. And then I just kept going off. And I'm like, yeah, let me ask you a question. That hot dog stand that left in 1977. You think they moved to another mall I could find? Um, yeah, my mom and I just ate at Joanne's Nut House yesterday. And and let me ask you a question. Does that Woolworth still have a lunch counter? Are they open for business? Are they going to be in the 25% capacity? It was really fun and funny. Um, and the reason I thought it, I was because uh, Jim Florentine's playing uh, a place in East Brunswick after this airs uh, that this, the Saturday previous to when this comes out. So I'm like, well, if it's going county by county, it looks like it's free. So if you're telling me it's city by city, then um, that's just going to piss me off because Jesus Christ, then there is just no order. I mean, I know we know this, but there's really no order. If you're telling me that every city has its own thing instead of every at least county, what a mess. I mean, we know it goes state by state. But then to go county by county, I mean, there's just no order. There's just no order. How are the, you know, let's say it's all the Trump hasn't told us what to do. So it's up to the governors. How are the governors not saying it's not going city by city? We're doing it county by county. There's 21 counties in New Jersey. You tell me Phil Murphy can't say like, listen, there's only 21. I can take care of all this. Let me show you. Let me see your plans and I'll let you know if it's cool. 
Nobody wants to do the work. Last night, and I'm just going to go backwards from my week. Last night, I was uh, fortunate enough. Or should I go the other way because I have clips? Um, oh, let me tell you about this. Uh, so as I keep making fun, which is in quotes, of getting evicted, um, which would happen on Friday. They'll, they'll start the eviction proceedings Friday because the law will be up in New York where you can now do that to people that are late on their rent, which is perfectly legal and fine. There's nothing I can do, but I can't get angry at anybody. Um, <laughs> this is the new Dave Jessica. Anyway, so I finally called my uh, once I found out it was completely legal and the law is changing, you know, once I found that out, make sure there's no hanky-panky going on, I finally called the management here uh, to, to let them know what's happening. You know, like I, pro- I applied for this program and I'm sorry I haven't been, you know, I'm, I've been paying a couple bucks or whatever, you know, so to let them know what's happening and, you know, I'm, I figured they'd be polite about it and, of course, they are. So um, I called this girl and it's a girl I had asked out who still works for the management company about seven years ago. She was really pretty. And I kept uh, texting her and asking her out and, you know, you know, or maybe just talking to her and then finally asked her out. And then she told me she was getting engaged or she had a boyfriend and she was, yeah, I think she was getting engaged. So it was so embarrassing to call and just be like, yeah, I guess, um, you know, I'm getting evicted. I mean, listen to her. She's like, boy, I made the right choice. What a fucking bozo. So it was so embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, hi. Um, yeah, so I don't think I've talked to you in seven years. So you're getting married. And she goes, oh, my God, yes, I got married seven years ago. Uh, so actually it, it worked out because I thought she was going to be like, wait a minute. I remember you. You kept pressuring me to go out with you. And I'm like, but uh, I guess she didn't. Why should you remember? Thank God. She got married. She had kids. But I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't remember me. <laughs> but I said, oh, congratulations. You know, she's like, yeah, I got two kids. Meanwhile, I looked at it beforehand that she had kids and everything. You know, I was, I was, but I was just trying to, you know, trying to uh, be friendly and everything. So, you know, whatever. But I mean, she's still hot. But, uh, you know, I think, I think we, you know, did, I did okay, but it was still such an embarrassment. You ask somebody out and then you're like, and I'm like, hey, baby, you know, this is going to be cool. Okay, like, hey, why don't you come down to the cellar? I'm a comic. It's going to be fun. And then you got to call them seven years later after you're still in the exact same predicament. She's gotten married, has kids, you know, has a steady job still during COVID. And then you're like, so I know I'm getting evicted. Oh, that's embarrassing. But also, please, hilarious. There's nothing more hilarious than that. Please, folks, if, if you didn't love the podcast now, how do you not like it? right now i mean you know what i'm saying i mean that's dave Juskow in another mess he made for himself it just continued i mean at least if i was married well i'm married too you know you are it says that you're single and you live alone uh all right uh, uh, uh. it was like um that time when i was going out with that girl from accounting um and we were we were dating and heavily dating and well not heavily well, you know what i'm saying anyway uh we was going out from the girl from accounting and she knows she's the one who knows everyone's salary in the firm and i went we i took her to somebody's house in williamsburg brooklyn and i and i said boy this is a great place you know i should get a place like this i could totally afford this place after they told us what it was and she goes no you can't and i'm like sure i all right uh 
that was embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I can't lie to her. She knows exactly what I make. Damn it. Never date anybody from accounting. It's like the worst thing you could do. So embarrassing. But another hilarious situation for Dave Juskow. And to bring you the comedy of the Nightfly podcast. Am I right, folks? So that was hilarious. So, yeah, I'm going to get to what I did yesterday, this uh, being Friday, in a second. I just want to get through a couple of other things. I'm going to tell you what happened to me. On Wednesday, Wednesday, I went to see Rhoda. I changed my days up because I had something to do Thursday. And I'm going to tell you about that in a second because it was very interesting, at least for you and me, of this podcast. Would it be interesting to really anyone else who doesn't listen to this podcast? I'm not so sure. But I went to Rhoda. So I had my cleaning lady come on Wednesday instead of Thursday. All right. You ready for this? I had my cleaning lady come. She's and you. I told you how terrific she. Oh God! And I'm like, I didn't give you. Take everything I have. I just want to open my wallet. Oh, what a job she did! Remember, she got pregnant. She had COVID. She had the flu. She comes in. She cleans this place in six months. I told you about that last week. So she comes over again. It's been two weeks. I'm like, look, I didn't give you enough money last time. Let me give you more. And you know, everybody's saying me. You know, like, oh, like you're so rich, you can afford a cleaning. Like, yeah, my mother says it too. I saw my. We went out for uh, lunch on Wednesday. I go, Rhoda. Let me tell you something that I've learned through you, through you, what you've taught me. If you've taught me anything, how dare you tell me I don't have enough money to pay the cleaning lady what I want. The only thing you've instilled in me and Beth is that the just gals always, no matter whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a stock market crash, a depression, the just gals always have money for a cleaning lady and plastic surgery she couldn't deny it it's a fact it's a fact (laughs) now those are some strange values to pass along to your kids but they are the values nonetheless that the just cow children share on a daily basis there's always room for cleaning ladies and plastic surgery and i've proven every one of those things I don't think my father instilled any of that in us at all. Uh, however, the cleaning lady part comes from my dad because his mother always had a cleaning lady. As you know, uh, we've talked about because she ended up living with the cleaning lady after her husband died, which is even more allies. And my mother's like, I never had a cleaning lady until I met your father. So technically, it's also his fault. Certainly, the plastic surgery was he wanted that I have nothing to do with. But anywho... So the cleaning lady comes. I'm like, here's the, you know, here's extra. Here's more today because I love you. I love you. I think I'm in love with you. Now get this. You know, my feelings are being directed in a weird way. When somebody does something nice for me, I fall in love with them. Like I want to, I want to be with them because I, I think I'm just confused in what's love anymore. So if somebody is really nice to me and they do something nice, I, I fall in love with them. You know. It's like uh, Eddie Murphy falls in love with uh, Judge Reinhold and Beverly Hills Cop. Billy, I just fell in love with you. I just fell in love with you. <sighs> you know, all I was asked to do was take you to the airport. And now I'm going to screw up. Billy, I just fell in love with you. I love you, man. Um, this woman. Okay. So, <sighs> so she does my laundry, too. And at 1.30, I get a text from her. And she says, um, I couldn't get down to the laundry. It's all filled. And I have an app on my phone. And I see. 
all the laundry things are taken. I couldn't believe it. And I'm angry at her. And I'm like, wait a minute. I went down there at 1030 to pay the ticket. How, why are you waiting three hours to do the laundry? It, because this is my old cleaning lady used to come in, put the laundry in, and then start cleaning up. You know, they had the laundry going immediately as soon as she came in. So I just couldn't understand. I was almost yelling at her. I'm like, you know, when I left, there was all the machines were open. And then she just sends back. I, I didn't yell at her, but I was getting upset. I'm like, when I left, you know, that kind of thing. I was very upset. I'm like, oh, you're going to be kidding. I'm like, you better stay there until you didn't, you know, it was like that kind of thing. And But I didn't say any of that. She just sends me a picture of this area of my apartment when you walk in that's just clean. And the stand where I use the green screen is just standing there and there's a white wall. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is this? Did you just, did you clean this area of my apartment that hasn't, that just had piled up of shit for 20 years? Did you just clean that and send me a picture of it completely clean? The closet's all reorganized. Is that what you sent me? She goes, yes, that's what this is. So you can put your game room here. Because I told her I wanted to put my arcade one-up machines. You know, boy, I'm someday I'm going to clean this area. And maybe you can help me, you know, tell me what to do. Someday for the last 20 years. And I, I was so overwhelmed. Again, I was like, uh, okay, fuck the laundry. I said that specifically. Fuck the laundry. Uh Again, I take take everything I had. Take every alcoholic beverage I have into the fridge. Have a party at the house. Take, take, I have beers in the crispers. They're secret. Take, I, I I I I don't have. I haven't given you enough money again. I, I can't even. I can't even believe this. I mean, after all these years, she she. I don't even know what she did with all the boxes that I got after I got fired that they delivered. I don't know what she did. I think she opened them up and and put them in places. I mean. I couldn't believe it. It was a miracle. And now I can put, now I can set up the Pac-Man machine. I can have a little game room area. I got to get a third machine. If I get that rent relief, you know I'm getting a third machine. And I got a little game room area. She's amazing. I don't know how she did that. It's a miracle. It made me so happy. I can even film my green screen there. It's perfect. I can film all my stuff there. Oh my God. It's like, Think about this. My apartment, this is why people say you can't leave. It's it's big. It's big for Manhattan. And I had this area that I just never use in Manhattan. You know, you, you're using every square inch because everybody's so small. And I was I mean, this place was, I think I told you, could be another room for a person. This is where people would live if they split the apartment in, in my particular unit. Another person could live there. You build a little wall. Another, because there's two entrances. Another person could live there. And I've just been using that space for storage. And she just cleaned it in an hour. I, I, I can't even believe it. I'm thrilled. Remember, my cousin was supposed to live with me and her parents were like, why won't you let her live with you? And they, they I clearly had no idea. I was completely attracted to her and I couldn't have her living there. I've never told them that, but I, it's like, really, you can't figure it out? Uh. Well, now I could have a roommate, I guess, but that would suck. Um, but yeah, oh my god, I'm so excited! I'm, I'm gonna have a game room. But here's the here's the really funny part. Okay, so and I'm gonna get back into this in a second. So last night, 
I did the Gilbert Gottfried Colossal, Amazing Colossal podcast. Uh, me, Frank Santo Padre, as Gilbert calls it. Frank Santo Padre, Gilbert, uh, and Jack Klugman's sons. Okay? I was completely honored to be asked to be a guest co-host because that's what I was. And it was amazing. I mean, just I was so honored to be asked. It's the only other podcast I listen to completely because obviously they have the guests I would like to have sometimes. But the funniest thing, they're they're sticklers for sound like me, but they, you know, with everybody's doing it over Zoom. This goes on Sirius XM radio as well. And they're sticklers for sound, but they they you know they have old people on, so they got to figure out a way. So we're zooming, but they're not using the zoom; they're only using the audio for the zoom. So like, so they're like, if you have the recorder, we also tape it on the iPhone. I'm like, I don't have an iPhone, so already there's a problem. I'm like, no, but I got a voice recorder on it; it'll be fine. And I mean, for you know a day, I was trying to get the best quality sound I could get. I was hooking all this stuff up, and I'm like, why am I going to so much trouble? All these people are just putting their phone right next to them on the table and just recording. I'm like, what am I worried about? I'm thinking of my own show. Um, so it all worked out and everything. I, I don't know why they don't have a better system at this point, you know. Um, but whatever. So the, the funny thing is I do my podcast from that area when I was just talking about, like the area right in front of the room that was just clean. Wouldn't you know it? The one day before I was doing it there and they were talking about my sound and they're like, can you, you know, make sure those other things. There's a huge echo now when doing it because there's all this empty space behind me. I never noticed it before because it was full of stuff, which stops the echo. Now it just echoes as I'm in, the, in this cavern. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. One day before I needed good quality sound, that thing is clean for the first time in 20 years. I mean, that was hilarious. So I put the green screen up behind me to try and kind of muffle the echo so there's something there. Because if you just put objects in, and I think what I'm going to need now that I'm having new neighbors, if I didn't have the new neighbors, you know, I could just have the machines against the wall, which is right up to their apartment. You know, and this building's pretty good. You don't hear a lot of stuff. But they were never there, so it wouldn't have mattered. But I think I'm going to have to put get, like, sound, those soft sound muffling things be, be in, uh, in, in back of the machine so... You know, they don't make a lot of noise or something. Maybe that's what I'm thinking, let alone to soundproof everything because I can hear people outside in the doorway because where I am where I do mine, you know, is in the bedroom so I can have the window and everything. But I have a much better computer, a much more reliable computer for uh, zooming in the living room, you know, a much newer computer where I can use the background drops, which this computer, uh, you know, doesn't provide. And I just have a better setup there. I, it would be better, actually, if it was in my bedroom because it'd have a little more bit more. Uh, quiet, but I mean, you know, I live alone. It's not a big deal, but I can hear people outside and I know they can hear me when they're outside. So every time I'm using the N-word in my apartment, I'm kidding. But uh, no, I know they can hear me and I wonder if they, they, they just don't know what I'm doing. But I mean, I know they know I'm a comic, so, you know, it's okay. But, you know, because I can hear everybody in their apartments when I'm waiting for the elevator. So, it's, you know, I can, I know they're out there and uh, I'm, I'm always like, uh, and I also know like sometimes I'm just like, they're like, what happened? I'm like, oh, I can hear people outside. And then I know they can hear me say that, and that's uh, that's even more embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just, I just, I am so. This woman is so terrific. By the way, I also made a, an email to the Arcade One Up. I said, you know, 
if you want me to, if you'd like to sponsor the show, I would love to talk about your products. And they wrote back. They're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, it is. I would love to talk about their products. They are terrific. So I'm hoping they uh, uh, go in with that. I, I you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm going to take a tour of uh, the apartment and the new game room uh, once I get the third machine. So it would be nice if, uh, you know, a little sponsor action would be okay. You know, I still haven't put together the stupid Patreon yet. I don't know why. It's so easy to do. And I, but maybe it's also complicated. I'm, 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 I started the process and I get nervous when I see everybody else's. They have so much more stuff to offer. And, you know, I just feel like I don't have that much to offer. I know you guys don't care and you're polite and all that. I just, but I just, you know, you know me. I, I don't want to take advantage. It's, it's weird, especially being Jewy. I, I just, I never want to charge people. I, I just want everybody to come to a show for free. And I, you know, I just, it's on the strangest Jew, you know. Um, I am not thrifty. <laughs> And I, I just don't want to ever charge people I love and stuff. But I, I, you guys have been so sweet and so nice in saying that you would con- um, contribute to a, a patron thing, which, you know, at this point, I guess I have to do. I, I don't know. I guess you make it like two to five dollars a month or something. I, I don't know. But I know I got to put it there. I mean, it's, it's, it's simple. It'll probably take an extra day, but there's just all this stuff. You want to make sure you write the right thing and all that stuff. And, you know. I mean, I have been busy doing stuff. Anyway, anyway, let's just continue on with Wednesday. So after I uh, went to my mom's, I, you know, I had this time to cook because Wednesdays are the days where I usually go to the cellar and uh, my bar to drink and everything. You know, Wednesdays is the night I go out, skip the diet, and I got car washed. And, uh, you know, this is what I've been doing. I, I love getting the Star Ledger, which is the New Jersey paper, I told you. And I love getting the Sunday comics, and they're always available a week before. But remember, I told you, I was like, can I buy this? And then they get all uptight. No, you can't buy it. And I'm like, I'll pay double for it. No, with those go with the paper. So now what I do is I go like on a Wednesday or Thursday, I get the regular Star Ledger Daily thing. I stuff the comics inside and I'm nervous when I get to the counter, they're going to find out, but nobody's ever found out. And then they're going to get screwed that next day. But I don't care. I, I, I would pay double if they, why don't they let me pay for it? It's weird. So I just stuff them in my, uh, in the regular daily paper, and I love having the color comics because I like uh, each week on the Sunday morning show at 10 a.m. showing one of the comics because if you're doing a Sunday show at 10 a.m., I can not show the comics. That's the fun. Next week with Greg Fitzsimmons, he has a podcast called Sunday News, I think, or yeah, something like that, So or the Sunday newspaper. So I'm going to show him a couple of comics because uh, it's funny. Plus, I have terrific slides this week. You're really going to like it if you watch. This is on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Also, again, the Sunday show at 10 a.m., uh, just football stuff. I, you know, I, I don't recommend that one, but I do recommend the Tuesday one. Anyway, then I went down to the village, right, and I go to, to my bar, and I see uh, that girl, Paradox, I always tell you about because I killed to take her over to my mother's house. She's all pierced up and tattooed, and she's, she's great. She's really pretty, and you know, it would just be classic to take her to Rhoda's house. I mean, that would really finish her off, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but... Oh, I don't know why it's really funny. And, um, you know, then we went to the uh, cellar for dinner, and Nick came, Nick Griffin, and he gave me a birthday gift, you know. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to do it. It was so sweet and a card, and he paid for dinner. And I'm like, dude, you, this is the nicest, sweetest guy, Nick Griffin. He's a great comic, a, a great guy, really terrific. I really like him a lot. So it's usually me, Russ, Maneve, and Dave. Attell and Rachel joined us this time, so it was actually super fun. And then Dave usually drives everybody home, but I have my car this time, so I said, "Well, I'll take Russ home. You take Nick home." 
because uh, my parking garage is on the west side. So, but then I don't know. Nick went with Dave for some reason, and Rachel's Uber canceled. She has to go all the way back to Brooklyn. So I thought, you know what? I'll drive you home. I'll drive the kid home. So I drove her all the way back to Brooklyn and then back to my parking garage. And still, because everything closes early, was home by 1230. Isn't that great? In the day, that would be, I'd be home at five o'clock in the morning. It's fantastic. I love everything closing early. It's terrific. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'll tell you, oh, it ain't easy. But yeah, they think they're a little uh, nervous about the, uh, I mean, they're excited about the cellar opening, but um, a little nervous. So that was our, our last day in a way, uh, uh, probably going on the cellar because it's open. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So, but Rachel and I will be uh, away this Wednesday anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So, oh, so uh, I watched the uh, Drew Barrymore show yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it. It's at nine o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast uh, and it's live on the CBS uh, stations, I guess your local CBS affiliates, and it's got awful, awful. I mean, and listen, who doesn't like Drew? This isn't like Jennifer Aniston, where we hate her. And believe me, thank you for writing, folks, and telling me you also hate her, let alone a whole bunch of other people I talked to. Like, no one understands why she's successful besides her looks. Uh, you know, she gives a soulless performance and everything. We did all this last week. So nobody hates Drew Barrymore. She might be now. There's a great example. She ain't the greatest actress in the world, but it seems like she gets it, and she clearly has this winning personality that just everybody likes. It's the exact opposite of Jennifer Aniston. This kid's got it together. She's terrific. She's been around a long time. She, you know, she partied, then she worked it out. Whatever. Anyway, she's on this show. I don't know what who's in charge of dressing her. I know she's a mom now, but you don't have to dress in moo-moos. It's very, I mean, that's the first, if a guy notices that for the, and he's watched the show twice, you got a, you got a problem. If a straight man, I'm saying straight today, yes, because if I notice that somebody's wardrobe stinks, you got to do something about it. And that's very rare when I notice it. So my friend, uh, Judy Gold's kid works there, Henry Gold, it was his birthday, so I wish him my birthday, and he was on. And he was working there, and uh, they thought they—he thought they were going to do something for his birthday. They didn't end up doing it, but you know he's a good kid. And um, the show is just awful. It's not her fault, or I mean, this is the show she wants to do. She wants to talk about. Let's talk about divorce today. Now we have some women who've recently been divorced. You know, it's that. It's not a fun show for a dude, and it's clearly made for. I guess I, you know, I don't even know anymore what's happening. What's made for a certain time? You know, normally in the day it would have been made for housewives. So, so who knows who the fuck it's made for, but uh, but I was watching it. She had Rosario Dawson on for some reason. And, uh, you know, I was there when Cory Booker and her met at Sarah Silverman's party and I guess fell in love or whatever it is that they do. And um, so she was like, she's like, oh, I understand you live in Newark. And she, I, I got to get that clip. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's uh it's great. Love Jersey. You know, Cory Booker made her move to Jersey. How do you, how can I not find a woman? I live in a, in a, in a clearly palatial place in Manhattan. This guy says, it'll be great. We'll live in Newark together. How mad is she that he didn't actually become the nomination for uh, the, the nominee for president? I think that's what she might've been relying on. Cause she, I don't think she knew her life was going to be like, I'm Rosaria Dawson. I can live wherever I want in the entire world because I'm an awesome actress and I get a lot of work and I'm really pretty. 
But I've decided, in this case, to live with my boyfriend in downtown Newark, New Jersey. Well, I got to tell you, she certainly did not seem pleased. So I don't know what's up with that relationship. Uh, you know, I do have insight in it, and it's there's definitely something weird. But Rosario Dawson has chosen to live in downtown Newark, New Jersey. That's... I see, yeah, when, you know, when I'm saying it out loud, I'm hearing myself say it, and I still can't believe it. Yeah, that's some uh, that's some odd stuff. Um, yeah, okay, so here we go. So yesterday, uh, I'm doing the the odd couple. Uh, the reason why we taped, and this will come out in about two weeks, the uh, Gilbert Gottfried podcast on Sirius, and then I guess it goes to his regular podcast area. The reason we did the show was because it was the anniversary. It was the the 50th anniversary uh, of the first night The Odd Couple went on the air. The premiere of the first episode ever, uh, which was, I guess, uh, September 24th, 1970. Uh, the first night. So we, sh- we filmed it. And I said, well, why aren't you airing this on November 13th, the night? the day Felix Unger was asked to leave his place of residence. And he goes, oh, we just can't wait that long. I didn't think about it either. And I'm like, well, that would have worked on both levels. We taped it on the night of the premiere, and then you air it on November 13th, which is Odd Couple Day, as everybody knows. But uh, it was really terrific. I was a little nervous because they call me a big Odd Couple fan, but I'm not a big fan. I got two friends that are much bigger fans than I am. But, you know, I have mounted those shows and everything, and I have Odd Couple knowledge, and I certainly did a lot of research. And uh, Frank called me later and said, yeah, you did great. You asked really good questions. And I'm like, thanks. You know, I was very nervous. You know, I just also want to be respectful on somebody else's podcast. This is a different podcast with older people. It's not like, you know, Dave Juskow can just start yelling at people or anything. You got to be respectful when you're on somebody else's. So, you know, there was this other guy who's an author and he was horrible. And the sense is his sound was bad. I mean, I guess it'll sound good to you guys, but it was, you know. It's bad, but having the booming mic is important because I know I can talk over everybody. So if everybody else doesn't want to get a good mic and only me and Sherrod Small are the only ones smart enough to get a mic that talks over everybody, then you guys suck. You know, if you if you don't realize that Zoom is going for the long haul for a long period of time. Anyway, you know, we were talking about the outcome and we made some points and talking about our, you know, then went around and said, you know, and plus these, uh, his kids were nothing but nice. Remember, these are Brett Summers kids as well from Match Game, you know? I mean, it's just extra funny. They're also Brett Summers kids. I mean, they are truly Hollywood elite in at least the Gilbert Godfrey Amazing Colossal podcast and the Nightfly podcast minds. Uh, you know, not a lot of other people would care. The Klugman kids. And they're going around like, what's your favorite episode? What's your favorite episode? And uh, we're asking a whole bunch of stuff about his dad. Because his dad, I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I was saying like, wow, you know, what, what what a great career. What a beloved guy. Because the thing is, as you know, we talk about, you have the odd couple. It's not a successful show, but, you know, became successful. And Jack Lugman's great. And then you get Quincy, which means, you, you know, if you can have two successful shows, one's a comedy, one's a drama in one lifetime, you win the prize. Carol O'Connor did it. You know, that's when you know you're beloved, that people just want to see whatever you'll do. I mean, that kind of thing is just really amazing. Uh, Bob Newhart did it too, but it wasn't the drama, you know, but he had two successful sitcoms. But if you could do the comedy and the drama, then you are not just an amazing actor, but you're really beloved, clearly 
by your fans who just want to see you read the phone book. And again, that's just, you know, really, and, and the guy was nominated for a, uh, an Emmy like every year he was ever on television. Jack Klugman I'm talking about, which again means he was just clearly beloved, let alone originating the role of Herbie and Gypsy, which, you know, of course, I wanted to talk about for hours. But I was talking about my favorite episode and, you know, I just used the password one as the one. I said, I'm sorry. I know it's the standard one, but it really is great. And I just wanted to play some of it because I wanted to kind of break it down a little bit and show you how important it was, especially when you're just growing up, these kind of things that, you know, kind of make you who you are, somebody like me. You know, I, I mean, everybody has their thing, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're a, a physicist, perhaps uh, Bill Nye, the science guy was, you know, your guy like this is what's important to me because I could do this, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So for me, this password episode was like, wow. You know, I can't even believe somebody was able to write something like this of of where it's going. You know, I couldn't figure it out when I was a kid. Why? But when you watch it now and when you hear the dialogue and the way it's crafted and, you know, obviously even what makes it so good, it's not just the dialogue. It's just not where the direction it's going and where you're never expecting it to go, of course, which is the greatest writing of all. But it's also the looks. So it's also directed well. And, you know, it's a, it's a, the acting. You know, Betty White is amazing in it. Even Alan Ludden is terrific. He's not an actor. But these two guys are so terrific. And um, you know everything is going to go bad, but the way it, it develops is really so terrific. Hey, look at it. We want you to see it at home. The password is gravy. Okay, Betty, the first option is yours for 10 points. Pass or play? I'll play. 10 points. Sauce. Mayonnaise? Nine points, Oscar. Meat. Meat. <laughs> Lincoln. Right, so that's the first part, right? It's, it's like, great. He's like, meat. He says, Lincoln. And you're just like, what the hell is he talking about? And of course, they, you know, Alan Ludden, and they cut to Alan Ludden and Betty White staring at him like, what? And Oscar's just, and that's the point. So there's so many things. You don't know what the Lincoln is. We'll find out later. But that's, of course, the point in the show where you realize Felix is going to fuck it up. (laughs) And when Oscar realizes he made a huge mistake. Eight points, Betty. Covering. Gravy. You got it. Eight points for the lady. It's a known fact that Lincoln loves mayonnaise. Okay, let's move right along. And that's and that's when Oscar really knows he's made a horrible mistake and he's hitting the table. And the also best part too is the girl they have working with Betty White doesn't make any expressions. She is just there as a regular contestant. She doesn't do any gags. She doesn't look at him like gravy, you know, like that. It's it's perfect. Along. Felix, thank you, Oscar. You I mean, have Alan. the word, Millicent? You have the word, and as they look at it, we'd like you to see it. The password is bird. All right, Felix, you have the option this time. Pass or play? I'll play, Ellen. Ten points. <clears throat> Aristophanes. <laughs> Greek? Felix hits his head. Damn it, how could he have not have gotten that? And you know, this is the best. We were talking about this too, how the first season of The Odd Couple, they didn't do in front of an audience. These guys are theater actors. 
and they just did the one camera shoot and then they opened it up and they have a live audience you can hear i Maybe it's sweetened a little, but I think you can really hear the actual live audience um, really getting into this really well-written play, which is why it worked so well with us when we did it live. Nine points, Millicent. Canary. And that's, and that's where she says Canary, and Betty White turns to Oscar and Felix like, what? You know, which again... Brilliant acting. Bird. You got it! And so, the score of 70 to nothing was for these messages. Aristophanes. That's a perfect clue. Everybody knows Aristophanes wrote a play called The Birds. Everybody but me. Will you stop being so perfect, Felix? Will you stop it? Now, we're losing here. Now, come on. Let's go to get together. Why do you think I'm giving you these great clues? Great clues? If Charlie Chan... So now, you know, this this part is all, he's trying to fix his collar. It's really funny because we did talk about it at the air. I guess that wasn't supposed to happen. He's trying to fix his collar. But now you're going to see, like, the setup, you know, for the ultimate gag. And at these clues, he'd be running a laundry. Now <laughs> we're losing 17 to nothing. I always win at home. Don't I fix your time? Leave it alone. Put it back. Never mind at home. This is the big time. Oh, the heck with him. This is big time now. At least we're on your collar. Felix, we're going to listen to me. We're going to lose this entire game that we're being queen. Now, this is important. I want you to give me good clues. I'll Something give to work with, yes, okay? I'm glad you got the spirit because okay. we're going to win, win, win. Yes, now listen. No more Greek clues. Aristophanes is ridiculous. Stand by. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back to the game. And the word goes to Oscar Madison, Betty White with a score of 17 to nothing. This is the word. The password is ridiculous. All right. So you can hear the audience laughing already. I really don't think it was fake. And they they kind of say, like, you can kind of see it coming, but you still don't know how it's going to end or how it's going to be acted. And this is why you trust, you know, your actors to bring extra, even if you might see it coming. Oscar... You have the option. Pass or play. I'm going to play, Alan. <laughs> now, Aristophanes. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I mean, it's so great because he has to, you know, that he has to say it. Like, Aristophanes. Because you don't know how he's going to say it. And then it's ridiculous. And then they cut to Betty White going, wait a minute. What the hell's going on? I mean, how funny is that? That that worked out like that. It's so terrific. Okay, 10 to 17. Household servant. You got it. I like that part because then they're like winning a little bit, and then of course he blows it again at the end. But I gotta say, I mean, that's such good. Um, right, the Aristophanes and ridiculous. I mean, you know, that's something. I just, you know, you're just not expecting to see. I mean, that's really great comedy. And great writing, great acting, because you got to do it just the right way. It's kind of the stuff we talk about with um, 
I think we were talking about last week or a couple of weeks ago with, uh, or maybe not at all, uh, the George Costanza, the Seinfeld episode where George, you know, flies to uh, Detroit or whatever to zing that guy because he's got the jerk store called. Remember, and he's got all that shrimp and he's waiting for this guy. He's like, everybody want any shrimp? I got shrimp for everybody. He goes, hey, George, the ocean called. They want all the shrimp back. And then he just sits there waiting. He's been waiting for this line. And it's like, you know, the audience is waiting. We're in on it. But you got to leave it to the actor for the perfect amount of time to wait to to soak it in to enjoy the moment i mean that's really uh great comic acting which i'm not sure if you can teach sometimes you know anyway that kind of writing is so terrific and when i was thinking about how you know it kind of shaped me or something and you know i don't know if i'm even smart enough to write something as terrific as that it reminds me of the thing and i've talked to you about this before because this meant so much to me and this is why I love uh, Notting Hill and uh, Love Actually and uh, even the Yesterday movie because uh, Richard Curtis uh, and Rowan Atkinson and Hugh Laurie used to do this show called The Black Adder from the 80s. And this is the scene that I remember again as a kid being like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen without it being laugh out loud funny, even though it kind of is, it's just so smart. And this is the scene where the prince, played by Hugh Laurie, is going to invest or be the patron of this guy, Mr. Johnson. I always thought of Mr. Webster. Uh, Mr. Johnson's new book, which is a dictionary, <laughs> and he just doesn't understand. And the Black Adder, who's always jealous of anybody's doing better than him, keeps telling him words that he's missing from the dictionary. Enter. Dr. Johnson, Your Highness. Ah, Dr. Johnson. Damn cold day. Indeed it is, sir, but a very fine one. For I celebrated last night the encyclopedic implementation of my premeditated orchestration of demotic Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> no, didn't catch any of that. <laughs> well, I simply observed, sir, that I'm felicitous. Since during the course of the penultimate solar sojourn, I terminated my uninterrupted categorization of the vocabulary of our post-Norman tongue. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds damn saucy, you lucky thing. I know some fairly liberal-minded girls, but I've never penultimated any of them in that solo sojourn. If that matter, been given any Norman tongue. I believe, sir, that the doctor is trying to tell you that he is happy because he has finished his book. It has apparently taken him ten years. Yes, well, I'm a slow reader myself. <laughs> sir, the very cornerstone of English scholarship. This book, sir, contains every word in our beloved language. Ooh. Every single one, sir? Every single word, sir. Oh, well, in that case, sir, I hope you will not object if I also offer the doctor my most enthusiastic contrafibularities. <laughs> contrafibularities, sir? It is a common word down our way. Damn. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm anaspeptic, phrasmotic, <laughs> even compunctuous to have caused you such pericombobulation. <laughs> what are you all about, Blackbird? This is all beginning to sound a bit like Dago talk to me. I'm sorry, sir. I merely wished to congratulate the doctor on not having left out a single word. Shall I fetch the tea, Your Highness? Yes, yes. And then get that damn fire up here, will you? Certainly, sir. 
I shall return interfrastically. <laughs> and the guy's like writing it down as he's saying, he's like, damn it. Oh my God. That I just thought that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen for some reason. That just, when I watched it, I didn't really like British humor. And I'm like, well, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. This is a guy who spent the last 10 years writing a dictionary. And then this douchebag comes in with all these words he didn't have written down. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking great. And again, that Rowan Atkinson, what an actor. I mean, he's just so terrific, says it all the way. I mean, I, you know, even if I wrote that thing, I wouldn't have been able to pronounce half of those words. It's, uh, I don't know, I like it. And then, you know, I found this one, which is just so stupid. Stupid, and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like this is a you know the uh, our favorite SCTV stuff. And you know I've been talking about this. The it's it's again it's not the it's not the dialogue. It's what it's it's what it is. I was laughing so hard. They're just making fun of and it, 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 it's. In, in 1977, Close Encounters came out, and in like 1978, 79, they brought it back out with an additional seven minutes. I don't know if you remember. An additional seven minutes. Where you go into the spaceship. So to make fun of the fact that this company or, or Spielberg was so money-hungry and desperate to add an, an to the nerve to make people see it again for an ex additional seven minutes... The way they were mocking it for parody was that they added an additional seven minutes onto the Merv Griffin show, which is so funny and so fuck you, Spielberg, even though Spielberg, from what I was told, loved it. Uh, but it's so in your face without being dicks. It's just so great. We're going to add an uh, it's the Merv Griffin show, the special edition Ooh, I would, but we're right out of time. I want to thank all our distinguished congressmen and their wives. And you too, Mrs. Miller. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Promotional consideration provided by Laker Airlines. Sir Freddie is ready when you are. Also, Laker Rent-A-Car. Take the wings off. You've got a big car. And Rio Didi, the drink that Freddie Laker drinks. Guests of the Merv Griffin Show. show will explore the frontiers of time and space breaking network formats adding an additional seven minutes onto the Merv griffin show a special edition breaking breaking uh, a network they were adding <laughs> breaking network tradition by adding an extra Merv griffin show the special edition because now the spaceship comes on wait to hear this part i don't remember this part at all staring at the spaceship. So they're all staring at the spaceship, his guests and him, right? And you just heard those sounds. They're doing do-do-do-do-do, except it's the Merv Griffin Show theme music. Oh, my God, that's funny. And so then Merv goes to the piano to play the tones back like in the movie. even think i understood that as a kid and when i was watching it today i'm like jesus christ it's the funniest thing i've ever seen 
they're making fun of the tones from Close Encounters by playing the Merv Griffin Show theme. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then Spielberg comes out. It's, it's Dave Thomas, and uh, I don't know where it goes from here. Okay, Merv, we're ready for you in the ship. The hottest young director in Hollywood, Steven Spielberg, is with us right there, to direct yes. the additional exciting Nine scenes. Months. Okay. Now, come on, Merv. You've only got seven minutes in this edition. Ooh, Steven, there aren't going to be any sharks in there, huh? Boo-hoo! <laughs> Let me try this. We'll be right back. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> Ooh, this is nice. Whoa. Oh, my God. I don't know why. He's, he's, he's got the megaphone, and he's like, let me give this a try. We'll be right back. Fucking A. That made me laugh so hard as a kid. And I didn't even understand what the hell I was laughing at. And now that I get it even more 30 years later, 40 years later, it's even funnier. These guys were so good in SCTV. Uh, so thought we'd go through that today. Just show you the stuff that shaped our friend, me, Dave Jusko. What's the news today? Uh, let's take a look. Uh, we have. Uh, oh. Um, wait, that's not it. Hold on a second. Why did I? Oh, cream of wheat drops black chef logo. B and G food said Thursday it would drop an image of a black chef from its cream of wheat cereal packaging. The latest company to change branding, considering racially incentive insensitive. I don't know why I, I saw that. And I'm like, geez, I always, I never thought of that as being racial, but that black, guy on the cream of wheat box always every time i saw him i just thought of deliciousness i didn't think of anything him being black or anything else except that when i saw that guy he just made me think that everything is delicious so once again here we are where they're really just going a little too far um unfortunately there was a girl who was hit by a chair, a lounge chair that flew off a penthouse rooftop yesterday, and now she's suffering brain damage. And unfortunately, it was, I guess, one of the guys that works with my cousin because they say he's part of the team that owns the Sixers and the Devils. I don't know the guy, Michael Rubin. So thank God it wasn't my cousin, but they're going to sue my cousin. Uh, but it's kind of, I mean, it's not funny at all. The poor girl, she was very pretty and she was just minding her own business and a roof and a lounge chair fell off a roof. Well, unfortunately you live in the city and we've been talking about this for years. You know, at any given moment, somebody's air conditioner can fall out and hit you in the head and you die. I mean, this is what happens now. You know, I don't know how a lounge chair, I mean, it's get, it, it gets windy on those rooftops. I'm actually surprised this doesn't happen more often. When it gets really windy like that, I've been on lots of rooftops where it's devastatingly windy. It's odd that it doesn't happen more often, but unfortunately, those are the definite perils. Remember that some lady died on a block of ice uh, dropped on her from a, you know, when, when everything gets iced up and then it starts to melt. This is the unfortunate things that can happen when you walk by tall buildings in the city. An air conditioner, a block of ice, a lounge chair from somebody's rooftop. I mean, didn't some nobody did it on purpose? It's just unfortunate, and we live with that every day here. I've often thought about walking down when you hear feel a drop coming down from an air conditioner. I'm like, oh my god, 
you know, now they, they have a kind of a law where you got to really strap them in. But I think about it all the time when it's raining really hard or something like, is that air conditioner steady? There, every apartment has an air conditioner put in it. A big one with its back hanging out, its ass hanging out that really could fall at any given moment on the sidewalk. It's surprising it doesn't happen more often. And uh, there's uh, two things I have here. First, there was a picture today in the paper of uh, Trump and the First Lady standing right silent near the casket of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's got to just piss people off. But what are you going to do? The president, you know, you get full honors when a Supreme Court justice dies and he's the president. You know that would annoy her and it annoys anybody that worships her for being a terrific lady. But what are you going to do? I mean, you know, thank God he didn't say like, oh, I'm going to miss that one. Uh, the pre- the It's supposed to be the highest honor you can get, but the picture is just, I just, once I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, that's got to make people so angry. And finally, there is a town, and maybe you heard about this, a town upstate New York, can't believe I've never heard of it before, called Swastika, New York. Yeah. You heard me. And they're obviously trying to change the name, uh, but they they got voted down yesterday. So they're keeping the name Swastika, New York. Now, this was named in 1913. So this is way before the Third Reich came to power or anything. And I think it's actually, they they don't, uh, I'm trying to see if it says yeah, it doesn't even say what it, uh, oh, said it was, yeah, it doesn't even say why, but I believe it was some sort of Indian, you know, thing like, uh, I, I think it was supposed to be a respectful thing, and unfortunately, you know, it didn't work out, but apparently, uh, you know, somebody from New York City came up and said, what the fuck is going on? I mean, I don't know where it's located, I probably should have looked it up, or whatever, but here's the funny thing is, the unincorporated crossroads in the Adirondack Mountain town of Blackbrook, about 35 miles south of the U.S.-Canada border, has been known as Swastika for more than a century. Well, I think they're missing the point. The town called Blackbrook obviously needs to change their name. I wouldn't worry about Swastika anymore. You really got to worry about the town Blackbrook. That should obviously be changed immediately to, uh, I don't know, All Lives Matter Brook? Or uh, can we just change it to White Brook? I, I, what do you want to call it? I don't know. African-American, Brooke? It seems racist. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, if we're going for it all, let's go for it all. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. You know, I had such a pleasant time today bringing you the podcast. But, uh, you know, I, you know, everything has got to come to an end. I, you know, I just... Um, I know it sounds like I am uh, having a good time in the pandemic, and obviously I am. I, you know, I seem to have a lot of stuff going on. Nothing that's making money yet, but you know, I figure that'll come. But I really do hope, uh, you know, my my listeners and, and and people I love that listen to this show are doing okay. I hear from some of you that uh, some things aren't that great, but I do hear from the rest of you, and it seems like everybody else is is getting by. Like I said. Um, you know, for me, I just don't get angry anymore because I feel it's not personal. I mean, it took the pandemic for me to realize it's not personal. 
Everybody's involved. Everybody in the world is going through the same thing. And nobody's able to make a living. I mean, some people are and some people aren't. Obviously, all of my friends are struggling. Even the best of the best. Uh, David Tell, who you know probably has a million dollars at some point or somewhere, is not making any money. And if he is making money, he's making you know 500 bucks here and there. I mean, nobody's making money. And uh, so everybody's in the same the same place. And the comedy clubs, again, are going to be the last things to open up if they ever do. And I don't think they're opening in 2020. So I don't know what's next. And I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, might have the same problems, although I think most of my listeners are okay. I think a lot of you still have your jobs. And um, I think that's terrific if that's the case. But, you know, if you're feeling blue and you want to talk a little bit, you know, you can always write me at DaveJustGoutFans at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram and uh, we can talk a little bit. Well, that is our show for today and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did bringing it to you. Which I really did. I, uh, you know, I mean, I exercised and everything today, so I'm feeling pretty good, right? Now I'm going to have a, a, a little lunch, a little Nutrisystem lunch. What am I having today? It was uh, it's something frozen. And then I'm going to, you know, Zoom call with uh, Rhoda. <laughs> and then another Zoom call with a couple of friends. Uh, it's a big Zoom day. That doesn't provide any money, but uh, anyway, the important thing is I love getting the uh, Tuesday shows together, and we'll have the Sunday morning show, but uh, well, that doesn't matter to you right now. This comes out on Tuesday. So I really hope you watch this week. I mean, what a great guest list. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, Beth Stelling, and Mike Vecchione. I mean, that's going to be a very nice Tuesday, 8 o'clock instead of 8.30 this week. I hope you watch the show. You know, I got all the pictures of the stuff I was talking about today. So it's an added addition to the night flight every week during football season and if you hate the football talk eh, it goes by in 15 minutes remember if you're watching an hour later you can skip by it on YouTube it's no big deal but you know it's fun making the picks especially when nobody knows what we're doing that take, uh, takes about 10-15 it'll probably take less uh, by next week there'll be less teams playing because they'll have bye weeks so that is our story for today uh, we'll see you next week when the calendar will turn to Rocktober everybody's favorite month yeah, let's do some rock and roll talk every uh, week. Where, you know, when we had Jim Florentine on, you know, he used to host the show, um, that metal show, which I liked very much. I had this guy, Eddie Trunk, who knows everything about rock and roll and metal and stuff, and he's very knowledgeable. And Jim was on the show. We, uh, you know, we were showing that he had Getty Lee on once, and or a couple times. And, you know, they, they, they would make the guys rank their albums in order, which was a terrific show and lots of fun. We were talking about Dot Doc and. So maybe for Rocktober, we'll get some music stuff going. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? All right. So don't forget, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, this Wednesday, September 30th. And otherwise, I'll see everybody next week on the Night Fly. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.